Hello, stargazers. Mm, mm, mm. And welcome to the Two Vegans, One Moon podcast. I'm glad you'll be joining me today in this fun space where we can just explore what's happening in the stars and practice our skills in astrology together and just have fun. So I'm Julie, and I am not an expert astrologer. I'll let you know now. But I am actively learning and growing in this skill, and this is the space that I like to do it in, which is together with you. So I'm excited to dive in. (sighs) Well, happy belated Leo full moon and oof, man, was that a time. Um, it, it officially occurred on February 16th, which was a Wednesday here um, in Colorado. And it was a little bit before 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. So a little bit later in the day, if you were further east. But this moon happened at about 27 degrees of Leo and 27 degrees of Aquarius. So that's any time a full moon, they're going to be in opposition. The moon and the sun will be. And so that's always in a chart how you'll know. But um, I think that's always so interesting, full moons, in my perspective, because of that opposition, right? When we're in a full Aquarian sun season and everyone's like, it's Aquarius season. But then you get this like burst of Leo energy, which is the exact opposite. And um So I always feel like my personal connection to full moons is a lot of energy building, like days leading up to the actual peak of the full moon is really just like intense. I feel almost like restless and really like high energy, almost like there's like a pounding inside of my body. That's just like, you know, building up steam (laughs) and then it peaks and then I finally come down. And so I actually got very sick during this full moon. I feel like I was building, building, building all this energy up um, before Wednesday. And for me, that looked like being really active and social and doing things. And it actually really wore me out. So that by Wednesday, actually, um, late morning, I fell very ill. (laughs) And I think that was the way of my body saying, all right, girl, you like, you did all your fun things. Great. Now you need to rest. So that has been my lesson. And that is also why this is a post-mortem recording, <laughs> but all is well. Um, got some steroids, all good now. Love that. But I also think it's interesting, which I want to learn more on is that I was born on a full moon. Um, my sun is in Virgo and my moon is in Pisces. So they're exact opposite, a lot of tension, love it. Um, but that energy is something I always really resonate with. And so that is one thing I want to learn more about, but Um, coming back to what today actually looks like today, it is a Saturday, um, February 20 or 19th. So we are officially now in Pisces season that Leo full moon that happened on Wednesday, um, was right at the end of Aquarius. And so we are now fully in Pisces and we'll have more to come next week on, you know, all that Pisces energy because I'm biased and Pisces is one of my favorite energies of all time. Uh, but for today, we're going to just go back and reflect a little bit on what this Leo full moon really looked like. And, you know, the story of Leo 
and kind of dive into, okay, what were some of the planets doing? What were the aspects that were happening? I'll reflect on my own connections with it and what it looked like in my chart. Um, and then we'll go on with our day, but glad you're here. And so ah, this full moon, I really want to hone in on just reminding ourselves of what the meaning of Leo really is. Leo is all about the heart, baby. It is the heart. I don't know if there's any connection to it being close to Valentine's Day. That is no connection that I'm known of, but I think it would be cool if there was. <laughs> um, but some also think that Leo can embody energies of like the back or the spine, but I also think of Leo sometimes as just like having a long mane, you know, Leo is represented by the lion, um, and just that magnificent mane. I think also the Leos that I do know in my life have great hair (laughs) and I, um, I'm making a very loose association there, but Leo is a fire sign. It has fiery energy. It is fixed, which means it's pretty set, like pretty determined and, you know, set on their ways, but their characteristics really play into power and extravagance, creativeness. And I don't know why, but, um, when I think of Leo, it really reminds me of that King lion who rules over the land of misfit toys in Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, if you've seen it. Um, I just think it's this, you know, character that is being so themselves. It's pretty quiet. (laughs) Like it's not really the star of the show, which is still interesting, but um, I don't know why. That's, That's my one thing that I have the association of Leo in my mind with. So I'm curious how you resonate with Leo. What, what do you remember Leo as? And, um, throughout this conversation, really diving into, okay, where does Leo land in your chart? What houses is Leo in? Do you have any aspects to planets that are in Leo? Um, and also getting on the very specific side, if you're looking at your chart, where is that 27 degrees of Leo? Or is that there are 20 to set 27 degrees of Aquarius? And that's really going to be the essence of how you can make all of this information applicable to you. Um, so having your chart handy, always great to have. I have a Google Doc just with different charts of mine um, from different sites to pull some information in to go back to because it's always an evolution. But when I also think about my own experience with Leo, I... Um, used to have very little connection to the energy. I really didn't understand it much. I don't have any significant planets or houses in Leo. Um, And so I honestly had a lot of misconceptions about the low sides of Leo, you know, being self-absorbed or self-centered or lazy. And I was like, wow, realizing that's rude. rude. (laughs) Um, But now I have two very close friends who have strong Leo energy and they really teach me how They believe expressing themselves fully is how they can really model for others how to express their full selves. And like all they really want is to see people being fully them. (laughs) And um, I think that is also a huge lesson in my life, which I'll go into in a moment. But yeah, I um, am really grateful for this Leo energy. And I think um, it pops in a lot thinking about, you know, the, some famous Leos we have out there, 
Obama, char- charismatic, you know, Casey Musgraves, very colorful shows. Madonna, an icon. Bill Clinton, I don't really get that one, but um, if you do, let me know. <laughs> but I in honing in too further on just that contrast with Aquarius. So as mentioned, full moons are oppositions of the sun and moon, and they are completely opposite, Leo and Aquarius. Leo leans fully into the pleasure and creativity for the self, and they like to see what they can get out of life for themselves. Um, But they can also be more personal in their relationships, whereas Aquarius energy on the other side deals with like bigger concepts about being a humanitarian and concerned with their uniqueness and others, but still they're rather cold or like aloof in their relations with others. Um, And I always struggle with that with my very like watery emotional side, (laughs) but I think um, that's also the beauty they bring to the table. And when we go back to Wednesday, looking at this chart, I want to note that it's a pretty cool moment here that most of the planets right now are direct, which means they're out of retrograde. (laughs) And wow. I mean, besides the nodes, the nodes are still in retrograde, but more importantly, a lot of the planets that have been given all of the ups and downs and craziness and whatnot have gone direct. And last time on the podcast, we were talking about Mercury was being retrograde and it went direct on February 3rd. And so this is a beautiful space to be in personally. (laughs) Um, I've got to say the last two years, it's just been a lot when um, we have a lot of retrogrades, which retrogrades just bring about some fogginess or clouded vision, um, all for good intentions, good for internal reflection. But it's nice just being direct where it's a breath of fresh air. You can just be, doesn't always have to be a ton of tension. And it's a lot of beauty in that. And so I'm just trying to ride the waves of it. But in other news, Venus and Mars, they are conjunct in Capricorn, which means they are together. They are aligned. And so they're chilling. Nothing too crazy there. Venus has been in Capricorn for a while. We've talked about that. Um, will be for a little bit more, but kind of seems like at ease. But the cool thing here too is that Uranus really is the star of the show on this moon. Uranus is here. Uranus is connecting through various aspects with other planets. And all that aspects mean is relationships, relationships from one planet to another. And that's what really brings in the uniqueness of your chart, right? You might know a lot of people who were born around the same time as you um, or who, you know, also have a sun in Leo or also have a moon in Scorpio, but um, having the aspects and the relationships between different signs and where they're located in your chart is really what makes your chart so unique. And so um, this specific chart on this moon Uranus is in a trine with Venus and Mars. So it just means they're in harmony, probably the best harmony they could be. And especially with Uranus being, you know, the great shifter of the Zodiac, there is a lot of ease here. And I am grateful for this. (laughs) So hopefully there wasn't too many shifts in your relationships or with your drive this week. Woo, that's a win. 
Um, but also Uranus is sextiling Jupiter. And I think this is a really fun combination because sextiles present opportunities. And with Jupiter here, it really just means, means that there's an opportunity for independence, right? But opportunity does require work. So if you want to see shifts in your path on the way to your vision, then you, you will have to do some work here. But that's also what I find significant is that this energy allows you to be free to do you, right? And on a side note, look at what houses or the area of life that Jupiter and Uranus are in your chart so that this can be applicable for you. But the cool thing about sextiles being that it's the opportunity, it requires effort. So it's not just all going to happen on its own when the opportunity is presented, but the opportunity is there. So for me, I have, um, my Jupiter is in the sign of Capricorn in my first house. And the first house represents the self and identity. And my Uranus is in Aquarius in my second house of material things or abundance. And so independence for me and this moon is really in who I want to be, how I identify. Like I can be who I want to be and not be dictated by the past or who I was, where I'm from, old ways of thinking. But with the influence of Uranus in my second house here, this moon really could have honed in on how I can be who I want and how I bring abundance into my world. And so I've been thinking on this a lot lately, actually, specifically this week about, and also I've been sick, so I've had a lot of time to just lay around and do thinking, <laughs> but just thinking about like, wow, should I get these different degrees that I, you know, areas of study and how that could relate to ways that I could earn money or ways that I have to, you know, think about money that I'd have to invest. And I have been, this has been on my mind for years and I've always struggled on like how to really lean into my passions of what I truly want to do every day in my life versus like the things that I need to do to make money. And um, this week I actually felt a lot of liberation at the thought of, wow, feel <laughs> I can be a baker if I want to be a baker and I can do it in a way that's going to work best for me. And maybe that isn't full time. Maybe it's even slow or sporadic or close connections only like for friends and family, but I can still be a baker, even if it's not a hundred percent of how I make my income or a hundred percent of how I spend my days. But that freedom and independence of making that choice for myself of how I can identify and how that brings abundance in my world is up to me. And that was a really freeing feeling compared to before of being like, well, I have worked at bakeries previously and I'm not making much money if I do that. But then running a bakery also sounds like something I don't want to do at this point in my life. So how do I still kind of get the best of both worlds? And a lot of that was that freedom of just like opening my mind a little bit more and seeing that, okay, there is an opportunity that I can do this in my spare time and do it on specific, you know, moments. And when those opportunities arise and I'll work hard to get there, but it doesn't have to be a make or break deal. Um, and so 
I really enjoyed that this aspect of this moon. And as I reflect on the week, I really see that a lot clearer. So I hope that you can dive in a little bit further onto where is Jupiter and Uranus in your chart? What signs are they in and what houses are they in more specifically? Um, and seeing on how, what are the opportunities for shifts that arise for you? And then the only other thing that's happening on this moon that's um, significant is uh, Uranus is squared Saturn, but that's not new. We've talked about that before. It's the narrative of our times. It's been there since mid-December. So we won't need to recircle on that quite yet. But as for me and my personal connections to this chart, besides that sex style, not a ton. Um, not super huge for me and my chart, not a ton of Leo or even much of Aquarian energy. I have no planets or full houses in Leo. And actually Leo is fully encompassed within my eighth house, which is of transformation. Um, yeah, have no planets there. And so just means like for me, it might not be like any crazy transitions, um, probably aren't going to be significant in my life. Not saying like significant might not be the great word, but um, just a lot of times eighth house energy can deal with a lot of that like deep transformation, whether it's death of loved ones or transformation of identity or of your health, depending on what house you're in. Um, so at least grateful there. <laughs> but just because I don't have anything specifically within Leo or within the house that Leo's in, does not mean that this Leo full moon is less important, right? And I'm saying that for anyone out there who might have a similar chart of, well, this moon's happening, but like, I don't have any signs or plan, like planets or houses or anything to really relate to that. Like, maybe it's just not for me. And um, I think that that's not fully true. <laughs> you might still, you know, feel that, um, it's irrelevant, but it doesn't mean you're exempt from feeling and experiencing this moon and that energy. It just means that it's not going to be like the biggest, most significant thing in your life. Like it might be, might not be a very notable moon for you unless you really dive in deeper um, and reflect on those smaller, less notable parts of your life, because that might be where it's going to hit you. And as a part of those like smaller, less notable things for me is my black moon Lilith. And my black moon Lilith is in Leo. That's the one thing that I do have. And depending on like what website you use or app, they might not always share your black moon Lilith. It's still like a new like discovery. There's not a ton of research on it, but I think the research that is out there is really fascinating and I'm just dying to learn more. And so I was looking into it further because um, we've talked about it before on this podcast and I am so intrigued. So it's not an asteroid. Um, it's definitely not a planet, but it is a point. And the, you know, the history of the black moon Lilith and the meaning of it really is that it's supposed to highlight where you felt ashamed or oppressed or stifled in your life. Maybe it's an area of your life that you're pretty wary of expressing. And, you know, those who are confident in that area that you're uncomfortable with, like it actually makes you really uncomfortable. You're like, oh no, like, oh, they're doing that thing. 
Um, and a lot of that is just because you're uncomfortable with it from on your own, right? Um, and for me, that is in Leo. So my black moon Lilith is in the sign of Leo. It is in my eighth house technically. Um, and I don't have any significant aspects there. So diving in onto like the sign and the house, having a black moon Lilith in Leo, I actually found this really great article from advancedastrology.com and I'll link it in the notes, but I found it a really fascinating perspective. And they mentioned how this alignment can suggest that you really struggle with life energy and self-expression. You might crave attention, but you're also scared of it at the same time. You could really underestimate yourself and the self-confidence does not come naturally to you. And that is definitely me. <laughs> um, but it also can relate to having had an emotionally unavailable parent and specifically a father figure because um, this black moon suggests a wound and Leo is heavily masculine energy. So it's like a wound with masculine energy. And um, that kind of made you feel like love had to be earned. And that has been like the story of my life, <laughs> um, especially internally. Like it's not something that I publicly talk about or share, which is ironic because I'm being very vulnerable on this podcast, but I am, um, have always really struggled with that. And um, then leaning into the eighth house, eighth house really is, you know, the natural need for intimacy and attachment. Um, and that just really means like, wow, I really struggled with feeling a shame for wanting intimacy um, with men. Like, and not even intimacy in a sexual way. I'm talking about intimacy in a way of like wanting attachment and being connected and being deep and, you know, whatever that is for you and just like having deep relations, I always felt was a very difficult thing, um, was very hard. And I was reflecting on this more and more, um, and definitely on the dad thing. Yes. But I also I grew up very Catholic. And so I think that also had a heavy hand on my perspectives and I'm no longer practicing, but um, I just always felt so ashamed for wanting intimacy, like wanting a hug or to cuddle or just even attention from like male figures and that it really had to be earned. And so I felt too that it really shut me down and grew, I grew up mostly all around women. And so, um, it's very comfortable with like feminine energy, but I think it really impacted on my relationships with men, especially like becoming a teenager and, you know, now in my twenties and just like feeling guilty for wanting those close connections and secure attachments with men. And it was as if I felt like I was asking for too much, like, who am I to be asking for you to, you know, call me back and to spend time with me and to like choose me and, you know, to be connected with me, um, like felt it was such a selfish thing to do. And now I see like, that is the whole point <laughs> of a black moon Lilith and Leo. And so I'm really, really coming to work on that. I, I'm really passionate about trying to grow through that. 
And any time that you're trying to grow through your Black Moon Lilith is about self-acceptance. Like truly being cool with who you are and your needs. And so for a, I felt this for a while, um, but lately been really hitting me. And especially with the support of my partner that like, wow, all I want is intimacy, you know, not just sex, but deep connection, intimate moments, touches, time spent together. And honestly, like rather possessive or more so attached relationships. Like I want secure relationships and a secure attachment styles. That's really something I'm working towards, especially secure attachment styles with men. Um, If you've ever dove into psychology and learning about attachment styles, I am an anxious avoidant attachment style. Um, But I also know that it varies based on gender. And I think that has a lot of um, relevance due to my experiences growing up. But it's really taken my whole life to not feel ashamed of wanting those things. And I give a lot of thanks to my partner. You know who you are. Um, in really creating the space and comfort and reassurance to be my needy self. It's okay to be needy, <laughs> right? And I, I hate even thinking that I have to give thanks to a man to teach me these lessons. Um, cough, cough, Black Moon Lilith in Leo, if I haven't said it for the 15th time, but it did. And I'm grateful for that. And that was really how things were meant to play out. And so um, still working through that, keep you updated. But if you're needy, be needy. And if you want those things, like if you know that you need certain things in relationships, ask for them. Like be, don't be ashamed, I guess, in um, wanting the things that you want. I think that is really that Leo energy of like, be you, like authentically you. I also got to say my partner is hella Aquarian and cancerian so he's always like be your emotional self girl it is cool and I'm like thank you for letting me cry over the smallest drop of anything really (laughs) but all in all coming back to Leo I hope this moon was totally you I hope you got to be fully yourself on this moon hope you got to connect back with yourself. I hope you got to express who you are and got to live fully and wholeheartedly out of your own being and to share your gift with the world. And if not, I hope that it was at least a time of reflection um, so that you can know where to go moving forward. So thank you all for joining today. Um, We are now fully in Pisces season. So there'll be more to come on some folks joining the podcast to share on their Piscean energy. We'll be diving into some more celebrity charts. And I hope that now this transition from the wind energy of Aquarius to the watery depths of Pisces is going to be a smooth transition for you. And I hope you enjoy every moment of it. Have a lovely day and we will chat soon. Bye.